0: Welcome to the Splinters Podcast, from the team on the bench, Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show, available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the sage, Matt Mears. <laughs> That's right, welcome to Splinters the Bench Podcast. Yeah, it is right, You. Are- Hearing the voice of the wise man, Matt Mears, No, it's not CM Punk's return to wrestling. It's not that big, but it is a rare um occasion to have myself here in the host chair of Splinters. So excited to be back. A huge show here coming up on Splinters. It is the shoot shield pre uh, review for two thousand twenty one. Just before we get started, want to thank the station sponsors that make uh Splinters possible in uh um, Atlas Chartered Accountants, the HK Post, formerly the Hornsby Guy Post, it now includes our good friends in Willoughby, make sure you pick up a copy of that, the Hornsby RSL and ISC Sport. Joining me here for this podcast, we have another member of the team making a rare appearance on Splinters, it is the Hat Rack Shane Evans, he likes to talk all thing rugby, mate great, great to have you here Shane for this big episode Talking All Things Shoot Shield.
1: Well, good evening, Matthew. Good evening listeners. Yeah. Disappointing the way that the season finished, but obviously with COVID and the the lockdowns, common sense in the end found its way to having the competitions shut down early because obviously you're not going to be able to finish it off. But we thought tonight we might as well at least look at what back go back to the ten rounds that were played and just have a bit of a review on how all the teams went. A couple of discussion points with a couple of teams in regards to next season's competition and also possibly maybe a tease about something that may be coming up a little bit later on in the year, but you have to stick around towards the end end of tonight's program to hear those details.
0: Well, as I said, if we don't get there, we'll mention them on the bench on Friday night because it is going to be a packed show, Go through the uh, 2021 Shoot Shield ladder. We'll talk a bit about each of the teams, how they went this year in those 10 rounds that uh, were able to be played before the competition was shut down. Um, We can look forward to 2022 if there's any information coming out about some. Unfortunately, we have learned that we will be losing... A team, it'll be down to a 12 team competition in 2022, but we'll talk more about that club later and the ramifications of that. But as I said, we need to get started somewhere. We're going to start at the top, Shane, and we're going to look at Sydney Uni. Only played the nine games they had won by. Nine wins from nine games, Sydney Uni. Always a strong side. Maybe have had a little bit of faltering over the last couple of seasons, but boy in 2021 were they back to the Sydney Uni that we know and love
1: they definitely were they are the Melbourne Storm of the of the Shoot Shield competition they have been obviously for years a couple of premierships in the last few seasons as well but yeah to go 9 from 9 literally the only game that they did not hit the 40 point mark in this shortened season was ironically the very last game before the COVID lockdown started back at the the middle of June when they took on the reigning Premier's Gordon when they only won 26-5, but their, their lowest score before that was 43. A few times they've hit 50, a couple of 57s and all of that, but yeah, this is just one of the sides where every other club knew that they were playing for the second spot in the grand final There was no one that was going to get close to beating the Sydney Uni team. They just managed to find good players. Obviously, the the first grade Colts have come from last year, have obviously aged up and have moved into the grade competition. I know what that lasts for because you always think, when you talk about finding players, normally innuendo is that Sydney Uni actually buys their players and all of that, whether they do or not. It's not for me to say, but it's just it's senior you that goes around them. But you have to give credit where credit is due. They are a very talented club, be it in the men's, be it in the Colts, or be it in the women's competition, 15s and 7s. They were all doing really well this year, and the shoot-shows side just showed it exactly. But, yeah, it was just one of those years where I don't think anyone – not even, not even the premiers, Gordon. The closest team that actually got to them this year was Eastwood, about three or four rounds in. When it was a, that was a game that was played out of Mudgee towards the end of April, and it was like forty nine forty four with Uni getting a, a late converted try to, to knock off the, the runners up from last year's Shield. But yeah, looking forward to seeing how. Sydney Uni pulls up next year. What players they lose yet? We don't know. Will they gain any players? Once again, it's too early in the season, too early in the now preseason for to call. But I'm sure in a few months we'll do a we'll do a pre do a preview for the 2022 Charter Hall Shoot Shield, and that's when we'll be able to give you a bit more player movement. But at the moment, congratulations Sydney Uni, top side going into the shortened season. Just a shame we couldn't finish it off and see teams win titles.
0: Well it is probably it is probably uh, uh just to bring up now that, that there is no premiers awarded for this season. Um they just finished at the top of the ladder and we're just going through the ladder as it stood at the end of round ten when play was suspended, but um just yeah, another reminder that um no no Premierships, no, nothing was, um, presented for this year, but, uh, Sydney Uni, it, they're always, there at the top. They do get affected by how many players they do lose to, to higher honours, but they still seem to be able to be a team that, even though they lose those tippy top players out of the system, they're like, they're like the Melbourne Storm, as you said, Shane, that they have that next man up mentality, and and they have enough depth within the club to be able to really um, plug any of those gaps that are filled, and still be able to play um, the best rugby out of the shoot shoot competition. We go to second now, and uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but maybe not too much either. Norse, um, they had eight wins from their ten games. They were, they've always been there or thereabouts and on the cusp of, of, um, making finals. And, and I think we probably did have them in our top six when we were looking at the, the season at the beginning. But as I said, they're now really starting to, uh, show the form that they're, they're now competing to win the shoot shield rather than just make finals.
1: Yeah, definitely the Shawman, as they're affectionately known. Started the season quite well with a couple of massive drubbings of sides, especially the the Penrith Emus beating them 73-0. We're to, we're to go on and win the first eight games out of eight, and then unfortunately would end up finishing the shortened season with a two-point loss to both Eastern Suburbs, who we'll speak about next, but also to my beloved Moringa Rats on the last day of the regular season. Not that we knew at the time that was going to happen, but I must admit, as much as it hates me to say this, it was good to see a couple of former Moringa players in Jacob Barrett, who come out of the Colts system from the 2020 season, and Apollosi Runaway, who was in the Moringa Shoot Shield set up earlier this year, but wasn't getting game time, so... Coach Mike Rutherland gave him a release from the club and was able to make his debut, ironically, against Warringah in that in that Round 10 game. Played really well, starting in starting the game and playing all 83 minutes. Set up a try for them as well, but yeah, it's just good to see that the players are coming out of various clubs, getting the opportunities at other clubs to be able to progress their careers further and especially these two players have been Pretty good, but you go back to the Shawman normally, you've got the Sinclair brothers and Angus and Hugh. They've pretty much been the rock that that club has been built around for the last couple of seasons and nothing's ever changed. They still keep, they still keep clicking on and for the players themselves, they've just, they know how to step up and be able to do the do the right do the good things right, and also the the Bury brothers, they've just been a revelation this year, especially Max Bury in at fly half, and Harry Bury in the centres. They've just they've learned to come out of the cult setup and get into this grade setup, and I expect them to be pushing for higher honours, be it with the Waratahs or one of the other Super Rugby clubs, somewhere over the next season, maybe two. I'd rather see teams lose players to higher honours than lose them overseas, but they're just four players that I would love to see in the, in the green and white of Ringa, but that's not going to happen. But I'd rather see them be playing for the Tars or the Brumbies or who knows, maybe even the Melbourne Rebels or the Western Force.
0: Well, you mentioned them just before. They are the team that came third. The men from the Synthetic at Willara, Eastern Suburbs, they also played 10 games, 7 win chain, um, another team where probably playing a little bit higher um, than we would be expecting them to maybe a bit like norse you'd you'd think that they'd be featuring at the bottom part of the six but um in these first 10 games really they showed that they they'll also be uh they could have been a title contender this year
1: they definitely could have been and should have been but unfortunately they had a they had the win loss win loss win loss win loss win loss season where they just could not string two games together. they started started the season with a close win out at south, then they were defeated by the Marlins at home, and that just, that trend just kept going and going, but but the thing is they they did enough to to be able to finish in third spot in the shortened season at the moment. And also, it's good to see the coaching. The head coach from the Eastern Suburbs has now moved up to higher honours to be the forwards coach for the 2022 New South Wales Waratahs Super Rugby side, alongside new coach Darren Coleman out there. Which just shows you how much credit and how well he has done in the head coach setup down at Eastern Suburbs to be able to then now step up into a super rugby side and be recognised for his talents where East have been there or thereabouts for the last couple of seasons. And it'll just be interesting now to see who takes over as East and sub head coach because all the teams now have to have a full-time coach. It's not something where you can just do a part-time, just two or three days a week. This is now... A requirement for next year's competition you have to have a full time head coach for your shoot shield side so interesting to see who gets it, there's rumours going around, I'm not going to substantiate the ones that I've heard but some of them are pretty good but we'll wait until a little bit further into the pre-season around Christmas, January when we can get some more information on it but Rathlations East finishing third in the shortened season, looking forward to next year.
0: Well, I'm sure that if we do find out any rumors between now and the, uh, inevitable, uh, 2022 preview podcast here on Splinters, we'll be, make, we'll be making sure we made them known on the bench Friday nights on Triple H 100.1 FM. Uh, next up in fourth, the men from TJ Milner. They said it is nice to go. A place where they have a good Chinese feed just beyond, uh, the halfway line. Uh, instead, I've enjoyed calling out there before. But that's Eastwood, the Woodies. They've only played nine games. They had one by six wins. Uh, another team that's always there or thereabouts in this top six. But, um, again, one of those teams where you, you would have, they would be expecting to probably win a bit more than a 66% chain. But um again, another team that, that would have been there or thereabouts come uh, grand final time.
1: Well, considering they're the twenty twenty shoot shield runners up obviously to the the powerful Gordon side last year. But yeah, I don't think the fact losing Tane Edmed and a couple of other players up to the the Waratahs in super rugby this year, which something they weren't expecting. They thought may happen, but they weren't expecting him to actually get up there and play as much time. As he did, I don't think it helped the progression of this Eastwood side, who are normally very strong, but for some reason, the lower grades just weren't at that level from my perspective, but also what other clubs have noticed with Eastwood, they're not, haven't been as strong as that. But the Colts set up, it's one of the best ones going around at the moment. But yeah, it's just disappointing With Eastwood, as we said before, when we were talking about Sydney Uni, they made the trip out to Wade Park at Orange for Country Round. Had that, had that 44-42 lead, 44 uh, 44 to 42 point lead with less than 20 seconds to play and unfortunately you can see the late converted try to, to Sydney Uni. That was one of their better games, also a close game. Back in round eight against Warringo, where they unfortunately fell at the siren forty thirty eight, which is one of their three losses. But yeah, we we all we all know that T J Milner is soon to not be the home of the of this Eastwood side. They are moving out a little bit further west to their new setup. I believe it's not until twenty twenty three, but I've seen the plans. It looks awesome. It's going to be One of the best rugby union fields specifically for the rugby union, for Eastwood rugby union. But so once again, that's still a couple of years away. So I'll still play some games out at TG Milner. So yes, you can still go and get your Chinese at the (laughs) RSL club across across the road. Must admit they do do a good feed over there, but it's one of those, it's just going to be a shame when they actually shut that ground down and they demolish it. Turn it into residential housing. That'll be the day when you know that rugby has died on in that in that ride right area. So I, I just hope they push it back enough that we can still see another two or three seasons before they make that move to their new location.
0: I said I've seen those plans as well. It does look good. It will be a good thing for the Eastwood club. Um, they'll be able to just sort of tap into that sort of untouched northwest Sydney catchment area. I'm sure they're already doing some work in there now trying to to get those players into the cult system. But, as I said, I've been going there since I was a little kid uh, with my dad playing um, there and, and exploring that, exploring that, um the big grandstand, which is probably one of the best that you do see in Shoot Shield there on the roadside of, um of TG Milner there, and I said now we've been lucky enough to actually broadcast from that, um, from that grandstand now as well. So it's a bit of a full circle thing for me. So uh, it'll be, it'll be a sad day once, um, it finally comes to the urban sprawl that is Sydney. Um, but I'm sure Eastwood, the club will survive and, uh, we'll look forward to maybe we'll get an invitation to call from the new ground at some point in time. We'll move along to fifth. It is your beloved Raringa side, Shane. Nine matches, six wins. As I said again, they're just inside that top six. But um just remember it is a one hour podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but obviously, obviously the Rats starting the season with the with the buyers, which is a little bit unexpected, but this is the way the things go. Then having they're able to just pick up wins here and there, obviously against the powerful Randwick at home and then somehow managing to fall apart against South South at Foreshore which had started to turn into a little bit of a fortress then West Harbour so they're pretty much for the same with the same as Eastern Suburbs we've struggled to put wins consistently against sides we only did it once and that obviously was going from round four where we played West Harbour and then round five where we where we took on Eastwood, which is the game that we spoke about before, where we won by three. But then we'd go and lose, lose games where you're talking like against Sydney Uni, losing 50 to 15 and all of that. But at least we, at least we were very happy little brats when it got towards the end of the regular season because obviously round nine was, was derby day, the, the Bayfield cup or our version of the, Battle of the Northern Beaches. We're able to pick up a, just a small win over the Marlins side this year, 40 to 14. But the best thing from what I've seen, obviously being inside the club, is the progression of some of the players. We spoke about some of the Colts going through Northern Suburbs, but also the Colts who aged out of last, aged out last year and moved into grade this year, making their shoot shield debuts. Villiar Malaya who's a very good winger, centre three-quarter. Josh Roberts, whose dad is coaching inside the club, a very good young scrum half coming through. Brett Butler also making his debut. Caleb Hopping is a good second rower, but see these young guys from when I seen them four seasons ago, coming in as kids who were very quiet, very shy. They're now very outspoken. They're they know when to call for the ball, they know what to do, and they don't look out of place in the in the white shoot shield jersey, unlike the rest of the club where we all wear the predominant green with the white stripes, the shoot shield. That's the way to aspire at our club, to be able to wear the white with the green stripes. But yeah, congratulations to the boys. Mike Rubin apparently, from all reports, has signed on for another three-year deal with the with the club so it's good to see him keeping a bit of stability at that coaching level for Shoot Shield. And apart from that, I'm just looking forward to seeing some of the new coaching staff coming through. Obviously former player and Josh Holmes and Boyd Killingworth, them along with the Colts head of coaching for next season, Ben Baylis, they are the triumvirate of the first grade Colts set up for next year, so it'd be good to see them be able to pass on their almost three hundred games of shoot short knowledge back to the Colts set up just to make them a bit stronger. But yeah. Just disappointing the way it finished. But I know I'm looking forward again back to Rat Park and donning the the green and white for next season and who knows. Measy, you and Kiwi Mick and Georgia might be able to join us and Call some Shoot Shield games next year if all things go to plan.
0: Well, we can only hope. Um, that's obviously, uh, <laughs> discussions to be had in early 2022. But, um, I know, I know the response we had from calling Shoot Shield in, in 2019, obviously with the new broadcasting deals this year. Unable to do that. We're very lucky to be still calling Hornsby Lions games. But let's see what 2022 brings us here at Triple H. And in sixth position, probably a, a team that weren't really expected to be this low on the, uh, on the table considering where they've been in the last, uh, couple of years. That's Gordon. Nine win, uh, nine games, six wins as well, Shane. They've been high flyers. They've been hard to beat, but, um, maybe just that shine is starting to come up the, the, the peak has peaked and, uh, just on the way down a little bit in 2021.
1: Well, the answer for this is very simple. Obviously, Darren Coleman was the head coach when they won the 2020 Shoot Shield Premiership. He then made the move over to the LA Guiltinis to be a head coach in Major League Rugby USA. And unfortunately, you see it in Rugby League. If a coach moves to a different different competition or to a different team, He'll pick the bones out of the club to be able to try and make his new side even better. Unfortunately that's what that's what Darren Coleman was able to do with the finances available to him. He was able to, I believe, take six or seven of their starting twenty-three from that twenty twenty final across to the Giltinis. Obviously Mahe Vailanu, former Moringa player, also he went across along with a few others there and Surprise, surprise. Darren takes the side over. They go over there. They win the whole Major League Rugby. So it just shows you that he is a good coach. But Brian Melrose stepped up this year and took over the coaching role. A couple of unfortunate injuries with some ACLs being done for players and just general injuries and suspension didn't help the club. And obviously under a new coach, Brian Melrose has been with Gordon for a couple of years as Darren Coleman's assistant but stepping up into that main role, maybe just a bit of combinations just not working and teams working them out, which I think was the main thing. I know from Ringer point of view, we thought we had them worked out until the last three minutes of the game where a couple of silly mistakes gave them the win. But apart from that, I don't I don't think they could have done any better with the with the roster that they had. But looking forward to next year, obviously the first grade Colts this year at Gordon were top of the tree, were undefeated, same as the uni were here in Shoot Shield, and they'll age out and they'll come into the grade setup. And wouldn't surprise me to see most of those first grade Colts move up into second grade and into Shoot Shield and make this club stronger again.
0: Well, we'll move uh, out of the top six now and we'll go to seventh. And this is a team that probably uh, expects to be within the top six every season. That's Randwick. Nine, uh, nine games, five win chain. You, you would think that, yeah, a team like, uh, the, the Galloping Greens, they would be expect to be up in that top six and, and fighting for, um, the, the title at the end of the year, but just something just a little bit off there and, and outside the, uh, and outside the six. Obviously, there would have been time for them to try and make their way inside, but, uh, Wasn't the best of starts for the men in green.
1: It definitely wasn't. Obviously, they started the season all the way, all the way back in the tenth of April with a good win against Western Harbour, a very decisive win. But then would then drop the game against Warringah in round two. Then they pick up a win, and they were kind of the same. They could, they were struggling to string games together. Obviously, Measy and Torres. You know if you go to Coogee Oval, if you walk away with any points, be it a win or a bonus point for your four tries, you're doing pretty well because it's normally a place that most clubs dread going to. I know for a ringer, most times I hate going there, but okay, fair enough, we picked up the points this year, but that's the first time in seven years that we've picked up points there for Shoot Shield, but... I just don't know what's going on there, whether it's just a turnover of players. I really don't know. I know Simon Poydevin was back there in a mentoring role for the coaching staff there. His son Christian was coming through and played a fair bit of first grade because they were, they were struggling to keep a fit 9 and 10 on the field there. But I don't know. I'm just – as much as I hate the Gallican Greens personally – I love seeing them when they when they get to throw the ball around and they can score some spectacular tries, but I just think this year was just one of them years where nothing was going to go right, but hopefully next year they'll do a lot better and the Galloping Greens are back in that top six where they deserve to be.
0: Well, Shane, we better take a pause for the cause here. We're seven teams down. We've got six to go. We'll talk about them right after the break, plus we'll also... Uh, talk some of those news and rumours that we've been hearing that may be coming up in rugby, not just Shoot Shield, um, by the end of 2021. You are listening to the, uh, 2021 Shoot Shield review here on Splinters the Bench podcast, Triple H 100.1 FM, plus all your good and bad podcast sites brought to you by our great station sponsors in Atlas Chartered Accountants, The HK Post, now including Willoughby, the Hornsby RSL, and... ISC. ISC Sport. Thank you, Shane. We'll be (laughs) back right after this.
1: Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes, so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at IHateTax.com.au Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated Station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM.
0: Ponsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo, and free live music. Or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event and for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters the Bench podcast here on either Triple H 100.1 FM or any of your favorite or not so good podcast sites with thanks to station sponsors in Atlas Chartered Accountants, the HK Post now including Willoughby, Horsby RSL and ISC Sport. I am the wise man, Matt Mears. I'm here with the Hat Rack, Shane Evans. If you just tune in, we've already gone through the top seven teams of the 2021 Shoot Shield now, Shane. Need to go from teams eight down, and in eight, it was Southern Districts, nine games for four wins. They're one of those sides where you, you always expect them to be competitive, but... This is pretty much where you would expect them to be on the ladder come the come finals time, being close but just not close enough to making finals.
1: Yeah, you have to agree the the rebels who have made foreshore park a bit of a fortress. Normally this year I don't know what happened. It's just they took they took until round three to to get their first win. Unfortunately, it was against my against my Warringah boys where they were able to get a thirty one twenty five win there, but. Yeah, you have to agree that this is kinda of where they're expected to just going through most of the other results, so it'd be a couple couple of losses and a win, a couple more losses win. So you kind of start you're now starting to see these root these types of routines where teams in the lower half or just outside the six weren't able to be able to string wins together. But this this south side, yeah, we're able to pick up a decent win against the against the Hunter Wildfire. But apart from a good win against the, the Marlins, so they actually did get a... were able to go back to back for once during the season, but then would finish off the season, lost a big win against Penrith, but to be honest, everyone was beating Penrith by big scores this year, and then were able to finish, were able to finish off with a, with a bye, unfortunately, so, but we know the we know the rebels will get a lot better. It's just wasn't one of their years. Not having enough players, I don't think helped because they he had shoot shield second grade seniors, first colts and second colts through the competition. So, not enough players really. I don't think was going to help them get any further up the tree. But hopefully, once this COVID lockdown's finished and we're able to get back to playing some running rugby. All the all the players down in that site that Stabuland Shire would be able to come back out and put on the red, blue, and white that the Rebels so proudly wear. But let's just wait and see.
0: We mentioned just then, but uh, in ninth place and probably one of the most improved sides in the competition, the Hunter Wildfires it's lucky to be enough to be on that call team out at Lidcombe Oval in 2020, where we were able to call um their first win in Chute Shield against the two Blues last season. And um to see them now, 10 games, three wins, they're certainly coming together as a side chain that um whether they might not be competing for the top six in the next year or two, they've certainly got a pool of players up in Newcastle that they can call on and maybe even a little bit further out that... They keep this thing going, they could be very competitive in the next few seasons.
1: They definitely can. Obviously Scott Coleman, who was the head coach this year, he stepped away and moved into a general manager's role for the twenty twenty two season, which we'll discuss more about a little bit later on in this podcast. But yeah. Hunter are very much very much improved. They are able to go out and spend to their their monetary limit this year. They were able to pick up some real good players. A couple of the guys would end up playing Super Rugby for Waratahs, Western Force, also for the Melbourne Rebels towards the end of the Super Rugby AU competition. I know for a fact, 5A Sealer, who was with Baringa for 2020, he made the move up there just to be able to assert himself a bit more with the club and for all reports, if there was a players player for the hunt for the Hunter Wildfire this year, he would be getting it by the absolute length of the rugby union field. But they're gonna get better. Obviously the cult their cult side dropping out didn't help them towards the middle of the season where they had lack of numbers and only having first grade and second grade. Doesn't help a side that's up in that Newcastle area where obviously rugby league's just a strong as it is Rugby Union, but looking forward to next year to see how they go. I didn't get a chance to see them myself, but they play really well. They're very solid in the defence. Okay, they had a couple of bad losses to the teams you'd expect, like in Sydney Uni and Gordon, Northern Suburbs. But then again, they had a massive win against Penrith, 80 points to five up there. And from what I was told... That wasn't even their top side. They had players out injured. It was pretty much their their second grade team run out in first grade and were able to put on 80. That is a scary thought for a team that for the start of the 2020 season was thrown together with six weeks notice where at least for 2021 they had a whole six months pre-season were able to go out, pick and choose the players that they wanted to bring into the club and get that club culture back to how it was. Because you have to remember, it's been almost 20 years since the Hunter side was originally in the Shoot Shield. They went back out of it, up to the Newcastle competition, but were invited back in, obviously, at the start of the COVID situation, Original when the original lockdown started and the breakout. So they've come in. They're only just going to be tender. It gets better and better if they can get the players and the depth in that club, they're just going to get better and better. And I can see them pushing for top six, maybe not for 2022, but definitely for 2023.
0: Well, you, you talk about that player depth chain and, and it's, it's almost that the build it and they will come scenario is that you just need to get off the ground. Players, players bring players. As I said, as soon as one guy gets brought in, he has a good time. He brings his mate who brings another mate and, that's how the clubs like that grow, particularly if they don't have, it's not like Manly Ringo where they're, they're, they're fighting off people north and south of the peninsula to try and, uh, see what team they're going to line up for. They're, they've they got the peak of the bunch up there. Yeah. League's obviously going to play a part in that, trying to get the, the best of the bunch, but I still feel that, it, yeah, if they can keep winning and, and keep generating the good headlines there and, They'll certainly uh be able to build on the successes they've had this year. Next we'll move to tenth and a team that probably play in one of the more picturesque grounds in the in the shoot shield, currently playing out of Dremoyne Oval due to uh their their, their usual base Concord Oval being uh closed for the, the West Tigers redevelopment. That's the West Harbor Pirates. It's another ground that Triple H were honoured to call at in twenty twenty, but just something for West Harbour that they seem to fall in this trap that that some of these more southwestern teams do. That that they just the player depth and the player pool is just not the same as it is on the north side. And they have some good performances, but it's just something that they can't string together. As I said they they had nine games for three wins in twenty twenty one. It just feels that if they could, if they had access to a bigger playing pool and and had a bit more talent in there, the opportunities of them would be limitless.
1: Yeah, definitely correct there, Mzee. Unfortunately, the with West Harbour only having the three sides at the start of the season, which I'll give them dispensation for by the Sydney Rugby Union, just because of the numbers out west at the time. But yeah, unfortunately, towards the middle of the season they. The second grade side folded, so it only ended up being the first Colts in the first grade. So there was no real backup once you lost players from that first grade side. The players would they'd have to be registering players week in, week out just to be able to make up numbers or pinch them from the first grade Colts set up, which is no mean feat when you think about it. The Colts side was being lapped by most teams by 50, 60 70, 80 points in the end. I know Waringa hit 75 against the, the Colts side for West Harbour, but then five of those young kids, probably 18, 19-year-olds, they were then backed up straight away for the game in, in the seniors. So to play a full 80 minutes of first Colts and then play between 40 to 80 minutes of first grade, that's no mean feat, and it just shows you how brave and how much heart some of these players have. But hopefully next year they'll be able to, A, get back into Concord Oval once the renovations are done there that the West Tigers are doing out there and be able to share the facility. But whilst they're at Tremoyne, get some more players back in there and be able to show how much pride that those Pirate players have. They've been around for 140 years this is one of the clubs that I personally don't want to see fold through lack of numbers. They have been given the the green tick to be able to come in play for next year. So I hope they do really well. And Joe Barricat, former player and former coach of the club, has signed on next year to play to coach the, the shoot shield side. So looking forward to seeing Joe coming back with all his experience he's had from Europe. And also from the Super Rugby set-ups and hopefully we'll be able to impart all that knowledge back to the Pirates.
0: We'll move on to 11th and probably the one that would be uh, <laughs> out of position the lowest. Yes, we, you hear that chuckle for Chain Evans. He's not going to be uh, unhappy about that one.
1: Oh, He's no. Probably
0: wishing that they were going to be even lower, but it is mm. your uh, great Northern Beaches Peninsula Rivals in the Manly Marlins Nine games for two wins as big as the the manly ring of derby is it, it, man, the marlins are a team that more is expected of obviously being in, in the heartland of of rugby here in sydney in in the northern part of the uh of the of the city you expect a lot more of manly they usually are up there in the within striking distance of the six but I don't know how much of an unbiased opinion we're going to get from you, but I will ask the question anyway. <laughs> it, it's not... It, it, there obviously is something happening in that club where we're seeing them slide down and down further and further over the last couple of years. Um Only two wins out of nine. Um Something obviously needs uh, addressing within that club.
1: I... Yeah. Okay, my first bit's going to be up. Is going to be biased, obviously. Being rats and Marlins being being a, a, a personal hatred there between the the two clubs. Yeah, it's good from a Ringer point of view to see them down there, but them being in all honesty, it's not a good look for the Northern Corridor because obviously, if you've got a strong Marlins, Rats, Highlanders, being Gordon, the the beasties being being out, being out sort of side Woodies out at Eastwood and Sydney Uni. If those teams are doing well, then you know club rugby in Sydney is doing well. But I don't know what happened this year. Matt McGoldrick's the the head coach out there, and I think if anything, it's more than injuries. Obviously, Dion Spice for some of our listeners when we're talking during the regular season would have heard that when they played West Harbour, I think it was about round five or round six, suffered a really, really bad head knock, and it took over an hour and a half for the paramedics to be able to get him off the field safely because they were severely worried about it being a spinal injury. But a few weeks later, he was able to come back in the Derby game against, against my Rats and was able to play 40 minutes. I, w- I had the opportunity to speak to Dion after the game, and... Basically, just said, it's good to see you back on the field. You're fit and raring to go. And he said, yes. Yeah. So I was really, really worried. We've taken to a rugby league type of context when you talk about, like, say, Ryan Brian Pappenhausen when he got, when he got concussed. Similar type of thing. He just wasn't sure when he was ready if he was going to be able to come back this year. He did come back, but it's good to see. Harley Atwater's been one of their better players again. Much hates me to say it. I still prefer him seeing him in the green and the white, but he made the move over there to get more game time and he was able to lead that side around fairly well, but just not enough cattle when it comes to the forwards. The only ones, the only one that was ever present is James Hildebrand, was also able to bring up his 200 Shoot Shield games as well during the season. I think it was round seven. If I'm wrong, James, I apologise, but I do know it was this year as well. So... Hopefully, the club will be able to get back to the being the second most hated side when it comes to Rugby Union from a ringer point of view, obviously after Sydney University. But, yeah, let's just hope everything gets better and they come back to the force that everyone knows and loves.
0: So we'll move to 12th and uh, an interesting team. I said nine matches, one win, but unfortunately will not be part of the 2022 Shoot Shield season, and that is the Penrith EMU, Shane. Already announced that they will not be part of a, a 12-team competition next year. They said not even coming last in the competition. They beat the team that did come last. We'll talk about more than, about them in a minute. But you, you've got more information on this, Shane. Obviously, we'll still see juniors being involved, but I said, for the Penrith EMUs, so they, they stepped up in a time last year when they they hadn't been in the competition for a while um they they were able to stay for 2021 but that it only seems to be that these two seasons is the only respite they're going to get and uh they're now being put back on the shelf
1: yeah it's just unfortunate for for Penrith obviously their junior setup is one of the best junior rugby setups that isn't in the the Sydney metropolitan area and I'm talking like Literally within 20 k's of Moore Park, obviously the Ramwicks and the Gordons and the Sydney Unis and Moringas and Northern Suburbs are some of the better known junior setups. But Penrith have literally been winning competitions at age levels for the last ten years. If I remember correctly, this year they won the 12s, 14s, 16s girls. They won the 14s, 16s, boys, lost the 18s final, lost the 17s final, lost the 15s final, and the 11th final. So that just tells you how strong it is when they, the junior sides, but the first grade side, yeah, unfortunately had their, their one win early in the season, a very close one against the team that we'll talk about very shortly in the Western Sydney 2 Blues. But, yeah, unfortunately all the clubs were apart from Penrith, were offered a participation agreement to come on board for 2022 onwards, as long as each club met a set criteria in regards to things like a permanent full-time head coach, the amount of teams that the clubs would be able to have and not have those teams fold, which meant four men's teams, three Colts sides, and at least one women's side at the moment. As long as they had at least a sevens program running, that would be fine. But it needed by 2023 to be a sevens and a 15s women's competition side running. And this is something that Penrith could not, unfortunately, be able to guarantee. So they were then excluded from the competition, which is a shame. It's always nice to go out to Nepean Rugby Park and get one of the Emi burgers out there. Easy. if you talk about getting some decent food at, out at Eastwood, these emi Burgers have to die for. They've 12 bucks, but they're definitely worth it. But that's one thing that I will miss as a staff member at Warringah, being able to go out to Napoleon just to have that bit of food. But they're so hospitable and they're so welcoming. Even if you, even if you beat them by three figures, they don't care. Once you're off the field... They make sure that you're taken care of, you've got some food, you've got your, you're being kept hydrated. If your players are injured, they'll do the right thing, they'll knock on the door, knock on the hey mate, how's your player? Is he okay? And all that. Very, very polite, very hospitable, but it'll be a shame that we can't see them, but hopefully somewhere down the track we will see them regain admission, but at the moment that's not going to happen for at least the next two to three seasons, but let's hope we can see the black and gold back in some form, somewhere down the track.
0: Last but certainly not least, the the Western Sydney 2 Blues. Nine games, no wins. Nine games, nine losses. About The only thing that was probably a a, a win for them this year was finally getting to move into their new home at Granville Park. I said from calling some of their games at Lidcombe Oval, I felt like I needed a tetanus shot afterwards. So it was probably <laughs> a good thing to get some new digs but um, they've made it through the cut of 12, so they've got to be hoping that with the the demise of the Emus that they're going to be able to pick up some of those players and work their way off the bottom of the competition.
1: Well, if you're talking about Western Sydney 2 Blues, how they were this year, they only had part of the thing, but now you've got to remember, you've got everywhere from where they started, Strathfield, all the way up to the base of the Blue Mountains. That's a big catchment area for rugby union. So if they can't if they can't be supplying all the teams that they need to, the seven men's and and boys teams, they already have a strong women's competition side in their 15s. They've been always in top four over the last five or six years that I know of. Also, their sevens program is fairly good. They had a couple of the sevens women's players over in the Tokyo Olympics this year, so it just shows you the level that they're at. But, yeah, hopefully they'll be able to feed on that, the Penrith missing out and be able to grab those players and be able to bring them in into the, into the Western Sydney family and be able to make that club the, one of the stronger clubs out there. We know they have the talent. We know the players are out there. It's just whether they can do the right things to be able to get this club back to where it deserves to be. Back in the days when it was still called Parramatta and it was literally the two blues, the Royal Blue and the, and the Sky Blue, but obviously changed the name to Western Sydney when Penrith originally were removed from the competition due to circumstances beyond their control. But yeah, I just hope they come back and they are pretty strong. Good coaching set up out there. Good junior base, but they just need to be able to sink their teeth into that into that catchment area and get the players to come through. Even if they're not the best players in their position, the coaching structure over there will be good enough for them to be able to learn how to be better and then become best men and women. That that club can produce.
0: Well, that, that does it for t- the, how the team's finished in 2021. We've got about two minutes left, Shane. You wanted to talk some of the, the, the rumours and the news coming up for the rest of 2021 in rugby. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of that?
1: Okay. First thing coming through, and this is yet to be confirmed, but 99.9% will happen. Obviously, Darren Coleman is now the New South Wales Waratahs coach for 2022, 23, 24, and 25. He is going to speak to all the Shoot Shield clubs and try and put a game of rugby on mid to late November. The Waratahs versus the Shoot Shield All-Stars. So just a bit of a way to say thank you for all the rugby families and the clubs be able to hold on for as long as they were able to during COVID, it'd be good to see that they can play it. Rumours are it'll be at either Leichhardt Oval, which was meant to be where the grand final was, if it was still to be ahead. If the competition was playing at the moment, we would be, looking, we'd be preparing for the second week of finals. That's where we would have been pre-COVID. But the other place, and I hope it happens, Rat Park... They're talking about <laughs> it being. They're talking about it being a five thirty, six o'clock, twilight kickoff, and then obviously possibly a Moringa Marlins second leg of the Battle of the Beaches as the precursor. That'd be huge if that can get ahead. But I'll tell you now, it will probably end up going ahead. But the only I, other mean, thing I, is, know, I
0: think Shane, the, I think Shane just to sorry to cut you off there, but. If You have Ringer versus Manly as the precursor. That that everyone will turn up for that. If it's especially if it's at Rat Park, there won't be mm. anybody left for <laughs> the game or else if they are they'll be paralytic out the back.
1: Yeah, that's true. And the only other thing that I'm looking forward to next year, obviously we normally do a shoot shield pre- sorry, do a super rugby preview in early January. It's been announced today, Tuesday, that the Super Rugby is no longer AU and ATROA. It is now one combined competition. It is Super Rugby Pacific. So you've got, obviously, your five teams from Australia, your five teams from New Zealand. You now also have the Fijian Drua, who we have not seen since the end of the ill-fated National Rugby Championship that finished up a couple of seasons ago. But you've also got Mwama Pacifica, who is basically going to be... The other side that's coming in, the Fijian Jewel will probably play their games here in Australia, be based in there, unless international borders allow for travel, where Moama Pacifica will play majority of their home games in New Zealand. Border border restrictions obviously applying. But that means twelve sides you'll have if I remember correctly, it's nineteen rounds starting, I believe it's the weekend of Feb twenty three Going through towards the end of June for your final. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, new coaches coming on board. As we said Darren Coleman with New South Wales, Dan McKellar's last season in helm in coaching of the ACT Rumbies, which means a tear to me because I'm that's where my allegiance is lie at Super level. But to see some of the other coaches coming through and teams, this is going to be one humdinger of a Super Rugby season coming up. But I'm Pretty sure I'm hearing a full-time siren in the background, or is that just your, is that just an alarm, just saying, hey, hurry up and get off.
0: I think <laughs> it is the full-time siren here for another episode of Splinters. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the 2021 Shoot Shield review, mate. It was great. I, I a rare, a rare visit to the host chair for me. I'd be trying to make sure I get uh, another gig sooner rather than later, Shane. Another rare appearance by you, mate. Hopefully, we did enough jo- a good enough job, and they might let us have another crack um, down the road.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. But if if not, we you know the rest of the boys will will carry the slack, and then we can just sit in the background and just jump on Friday nights and do our regular regular bits, and let's just see how we go from there. And look forward to a, a good shoot shield in twenty twenty two, and an even better Super Rugby Pacific. In 2022.
0: Well, I said there's plenty of rugby to come. Um, make sure you're tuning in for that. We'll obviously be covering it Friday nights on the bench, our two-hour prime time sports show, Sydney's number one community sports show on Triple H 100.1 FM. You've been listening to the Splinters podcast with the Hat Racks, Shane Evans. I am the wise man, Matt Mears. Make sure you tune in Tuesday nights at 8pm on 100.1 FM Plus on all your good and bad podcast sites after that to listen to all your uh, favourite Splinters action. So for the our great station sponsors in um, Atlas Chart Accountants, in the HK Post now covering Willoughby, the uh, um, Hornsby RSL, and for ISC Sport, this is Splinters. We'll catch you down the road.